but you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. Yeah, it's true. Um, my name is Dave, and this is an open letter. Thank you so much for listening. I apologize. It's been quite a while since we've recorded one of these. And it's not my fault because I keep saying, hey. No, it's, it, is, it is mostly my fault. I will take mostly? the blame. Okay, completely my fault. It's 100%. Is Absolutely. It? Okay, well, that's all right. I'm used to taking the blame. Okay, so that. maybe it's a little bit Carol's. Could be. You would say more, but you'd be end up sleeping on the couch. No, no, I, I I know it's it's my fault, so it's okay. But we're back. We're back. It is a beautiful summer night, and it is hot here in our little uh, studio here. It is hot in here. We had to switch uh switch studios. We did. You crashed the other one. I heard. I didn't. No, it crashed before I got here. Not your fault, huh? Nope. Yeah, it seems to be a theme tonight. It is. All right. It is. <laughs> So tonight we have our special guest here, Miss Tina Mallory. Hello. Thank you for being on the uh, show here, Tina. Sure. She is a little bit nervous about being on the podcast tonight, I think, right? I am very nervous. All right. It's going to be okay. Um, there are possibly... If I accidentally push this button, you're on the air. Wonderful. <laughs> like on the radio air? Like on the radio air. Like the radio air. Like the real thing. 96.5 WPNW. Ooh, it's a little plug right there. Ooh. The pledge. The pledge. All right, so we start every episode off with a question, which Tina just heard about, and she's like, what? You didn't tell me about this? It's called an off-the-cuff question. And so um, tonight's off-the-cuff question is this. What type of humor or comedy makes you laugh the hardest? Is it... It could be anything. It could be slapstick... Could be witty banter. Um, could be lots of different things. So um, I want you to think about that. What type of comedy just cracks you up? Carol. I knew you were going to do this to me. Um, I like I, I like a lot of the British humor I've heard, like Monty Python. You like the dry humor? Yeah, and anything with an accent. <laughs> oh, you like that, do you? I like accents. I know. Okay, you two, you get a room, okay? Ah, settle down, settle down. Um, and, do you have more? And, and linguistic humor, stuff about words, wordplay. So you have somebody on Facebook that you think is very funny. Who is that? Steve the Vagabond and Silly Linguist. Hey, you guys have heard of this, right? Steve the Vagabond. No, of course no, you haven't. No. It is a linguist thing. <laughs> it's a her it's thing. It's a linguist funny. thing you wouldn't understand. Yeah, that's so... I hate that. It's a Jeep thing you wouldn't understand. Like, what would be so hard to understand about that? I don't know. It's a war cry. It's a war cry. It's not a war cry. Um, Chad, what yes. type of humor cracks you up? Dry humor. Puns. Is there a specific movie... Oh, you like puns. You like wordplay as well. Yes. No. Puns. Puns. Not nerd play. I mean, word, word play. Word play is a pun. Kind of. How's it different? Because she's calling it linguistic. It's like, dude, it's just a pun. <laughs> she's making That's it That's not even smart. punny. It's not punny. I don't even like puns that much. See, look, there's a difference then. 
There is. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, Carol, what's the difference? I don't think we need to get into that right now. I don't have the Jeopardy music, so... That's all right. It's okay. I should get it now, though. You should, absolutely. Um, my favorite type of humor is I do like some dry humor. Um, I like some sarcasm sometimes, but I really, I really like witty banter. Like in the movie Ocean's Eleven with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. The way those two just banter back and forth, it's very quick and it's very clever. Um, it's probably just because it's everything I'm not. So uh, I think that's why I just enjoy that. I think that could be very fun. I'm actually a fan of that also, but I really like sarcastic. Yeah? Yeah, but I do not like slapstick at all. No no slapstick, huh? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a real fan of like physical humor. The first time I saw Home Alone, I cried. Oh. Why why did you cry? <laughs> Cuz he had kept hurting those guys. But they were bad guys. So, um let's go ahead and we are going to start. That's our off the cuff question. I think everyone's answered it. Whew. I know. Was it that wasn't hard, was it, Tina? No, not at all. All right. See, I told you the rest of it is going to be easy too. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to make you mad. <laughs> yeah, that's what you told me. You said you're going to make me cry. I'm going to try. Oh, okay. no more Chad? No more Chad. We uh, Chad's out. Okay. We don't have a microphone for him. in the background. Hi, everybody. <laughs> there you go. That's helpful. Okay. All right. So, Tina, um, I've known Tina probably for five years now. Probably. And we go to church together with Caroline and Tina go to church at Solomon's Porch in Jenison. Good plug. Good plug. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, they pay me for every plug I make. No, they don't. Wish they did. Um <laughs> And you actually have been going to Solomon's Porch longer than I have. I have, probably over 10 years. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. How long has Solomon's Porch even been a church? Um, I think 13, maybe 14 years, because we celebrated the 10th anniversary a few years ago. And how long has it been at that location? That's when I, I actually started going the week they started there. Oh, wow. okay. So I think it's been almost 10 years. So you got in at the ground floor, so to speak. So to speak. Okay. Well, Tina's got um, a tough story, a heavy story. We're just we're just going to hit a very small slice of her story. Actually, there's more of her story that I would love to share, but um, we're not able to share some of the story tonight. There's just some some sensitivity as far as some of the things that happened to her, and uh, we will get back to that someday. I think if she'll let us. Depends on how this goes. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I thank, thank you because you. this is not an easy topic to talk about. Um, I'm just going to go back to one of the, the core reasons why we started this podcast. Um, when we started this podcast and Chad came to me, and it was his idea to begin with. Yay, Chad. That was a plug for you, buddy. Yay, me. There it is. <laughs> um, we wanted to start a podcast where... We were talking about things that the church either isn't talking about well or isn't talking about at all. Okay. And one of those topics is grief. Um, As a culture, um, as a country, I don't think we grieve well, and I don't think we talk about grief very much at all. And grief is something actually that that scares me. I've uh, not had to grieve a lot in my life. Um. I think probably the thing I've grieved most was the loss of my marriage and not being able to grow up with my, you know, having my children in my house as they were growing up. So grief isn't something that I even really understand very much. 
but unfortunately, go ahead. I think it's even even stronger within the church because for some reason, perhaps because of our culture and that's the way we view it, we tend to focus on the joy of the Lord is my strength and we should be joyful and happy and right. we, we avoid the hard stuff. What's that, Jen? I wish I had a mic now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here you go, buddy. I totally agree. I think that hey. um, I, I think <laughs> that we get so caught up in the uh, the um, prosperity gospel about mm-hmm. want you healthy and wealthy. Yeah, exactly. That we forget that in uh, Peter he says, "When you have trials, not if, not right. if, when." Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. And, and and another thing, Dave, I think this is a phenomenal subject to be discussing in light of the uh, suicides. Um, the fact that suicide rates have gone up. They have 33% in Michigan. And that several um, celebrities just within the last few weeks have taken their own lives. So this is a phenomenal subject. So it's definitely a word in season. And there we go. We're swinging the microphone back and forth here. Um, but thank you for that ad, Chad. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, with Anthony Bourdain taking his life um, within the last week. And then I'm, I don't know the one. Kate Spade. Kate Spade. Kate Spade. Yeah. So Tina, we're going to start this. We're going to start this a little bit lighter because and, and, and Carol wanted to make sure that we got this in. She said, because we're talking about on the way here, we're like, okay, well, what questions do you want to ask Tina? What are we going to talk about? We do that on the drive here. You know, right. A lot of people would have done that a week ago. Yeah. Not me. I was like on the, dr- on the drive here. We got it down. Um, we want to hear. So you were married. I was. Yes, you were. And, <laughs> and I uh, remember hearing about your love story and how you met and got married, and I thought it was beautiful. Oh, thank you. So I wanted to hear more. Yes, she does. And I do, too. Um, and we're going to be talking about your relationship with Paul. Okay. And um, Paul passed away a few years ago. Three and a half. Three and a half mm-hmm. years ago. And um, But we want to hear how it began. How did this? How did this love story start? Well, I was a missionary in the Philippines. And um, we were acquaintances. We had done youth camps together and things like that, but didn't really know each other well. And while I was in the Philippines, my father passed away, Mm. my stepdad. And so I came home to um, be with my mom and do the funeral and everything. And um, while I was there, a... um, an army attacked the village where I was in the Philippines. Oh, wow. So I couldn't go back right away. Were you ever, were you in danger at all? Um, now, now I know I was in danger. <laughs> well, but at the time, at then. the time you didn't feel, and this is the woman who's like, I'm going to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sounds boring so far. Anyway. So anyway, sorry, continue. I, I came home for the funeral and our fellowship of churches had singles groups and singles meetings. And so we had a big singles Fellowship. And where was this? Where was um, this church? In northern New York. Okay. Um, so I went down actually to Pennsylvania to go to this big conference of singles um, in our churches. And my future husband was um, the worship leader at that time mm. for that. But um, I was helping my friend do registration and we were kind of looking at all the single guys and, <laughs> sure and marking them off and, you know, checking out <laughs> who was good and who was not. And how old were you at this time? I was 22. Okay. 23. Somewhere in there. And anyway, Paul walked in and he he immediately stopped and didn't talk to me. And I just lost my dad. We were acquaintances. He should have said, yeah. you know, I'm sorry or yeah. something. You know, he should have, you know, done the whole... He didn't you know, handle grief something. well. Yeah, he wasn't handling grief well. Yeah. But what 
he told me was that he immediately knew that I was he was going to marry me and it was going to be within that year and wow. he just totally fell in love right that moment. I was a little longer, you know, but he followed me around that whole singles retreat and <laughs> and made it known That's that so he was sweet. it was sweet. <laughs> I know why you think it's sweet. Because you in our story, story you were Paul, yes. <laughs> Tina, you and I are similar in that sense, and Paul and Carol. So that was July. We never dated. Um, September 1st, he asked me to marry him, and we were married in November. We had over 500 people at the wedding. What? And this is okay. It was a little speedy. So never dated at all. Never. I don't understand how we went on our our first date the day he gave me my ring. Wow. I mean, when he asked, was it pretty plain that you were going to say yes? He knew. Or was, was he taking was, a risk? He was taking a risk, yeah. I wasn't, you know. And he really didn't ask really nicely. He, cool? he has regretted it all along. That he, he didn't ask nicely. Well, no. he, I mean, he just, you know, what do you think about this? I mean, he didn't Aww. have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I can't relate to that at all. No plan. Huh. Wow. So you were a missionary in the Philippines. When did you go to the Philippines? I, went, I actually flew in the day Marcos flew out. Wow. They took oh, my camera and the broke Marcos it. The Marcoses, yeah. They took mm-hmm. your camera and broke it. Because they, because I, I literally was there when he was, you know. Hosted. Yeah. Yeah. See, I just remember Imelda Marcos because of the shoes the shoe. thing. Yes. And what was, I don't even know his name. What or was? General. General, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It started with an F, I think. He was destined for the military. His name was, was it Fer- yeah. Fernando? Fer- Fer- or Ferdinand, yeah, Ferdinand or, something. or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. So, so do you speak Tagalog? I don't. I. I mean, I. I was in um in a village in Sagada. It was called. It was um an Igorot. Okay. Um, headhunters. You know. What? Like, That's you cool. know, from before, but you know, g strings for you know the whole. Wow. Whole fun thing. So <laughs> you girl. went and okay. How old were you when you went to the Philippines? I was twenty two when I went there. So I was twenty three when I came home. I think I was only there for about. Eight months before my dad died. And you didn't go back after that? I didn't. She married Paul. Yeah. Right. Was that a difficult decision then? Um, it wasn't because I was not allowed to go back. Oh, it was just a done deal. It's like right. the, it's, the country's closed now. Thank you right. very much. Or that area was closed, yeah. Okay. Mm. And then, wow. uh, so when he asked you what went through your head? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, sure. Yeah, let's really? That. And that was yeah. your response? It was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, well, I mean, by then I had figured out I was in love with him. So, so why, when you said at first it took you a while to warm up to this guy, how come? Um, he was. This is this is terrible, but he always seemed holier than I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, just you yeah, know, on a different spiritual level than I was. So yeah, I get that. He was the worship leader. Yeah. Oh, good point. And worship she leader. She was just a he missionary. Was, you know, he was to a, a tribe of pent hunters. That's not very spiritual at all. No, it's no. not spiritual to, to yeah. give up everything and move away to a different country. <laughs> but you got a guitar in front of some people and suddenly you're holy. Well, you know. <laughs> but it pretty much was. It's, it's, <laughs> compared to me. That's so cute. Well, it's interesting how we can downplay our own holiness, if you will, and look at others. And it's interesting how we do that instant comparison thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, this guy, he's got it together. And, and maybe he did. And I'm not good enough. Right. Well, that's that's something I struggle with anyway. Yeah. And that's uh, unfortunately a very common message. So you guys, what are you showing me? Yes, I saw that. Why are you showing that to me now? (laughs) We're in the middle of this podcast about grief and he shows me this 
this <laughs> meme on Facebook with Trump and Kim Jong Il Jun the Third or something. What's his name? I don't know. Kim Jong Un. Him. That Kim Jong Un, his Dennis Rodman's friend. Anyway, <laughs> back to our story after oh, that dear. brief interruption. So you and Paul meet kind of a whirlwind thing. We had known each other before. We were yeah, acquaintances. But the romance. Yeah, quick. So did you miss him when you were in... You knew him before you went to the Philippines then, right? I did. We were we were friends. I mean, no, I didn't yeah. miss him. We were in different states. I oh, didn't... Yeah. So it wasn't a thing. It, it was wasn't like, a hey. thing at all. And then all of a sudden you get back and he's like, oh. Yeah. He looks at you like... <laughs> he he, angels. Did he pull like this is a word from the Lord type of a thing? Or did you get that sense because he was so holy? Um, neither. <laughs> no. He, he said it, it definitely wasn't. He said he was just... Okay. Completely overwhelmed. I'm just lost enough, you lady. Was that it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he wasn't so holy after all. Yeah, no. Apparently not. Apparently um, not. <laughs> yeah, it's a New York way of doing it, apparently. I yeah. don't know. So one of the interesting things is Tina being from New York, which you were born in New York? I was born in New York. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that about you because you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and people, people associate New Yorkers a lot of times with being... Snarky. And rude and, and right, rude and, and you yeah. are not that at all in I'm my not, experience. You no. weren't from New York City, were you? I'm not from upstate New York City. New York. I'm, I'm that's, from upstate. It's a little we're, different. We're a little nicer up there, yeah. not so much. But they also lived in Tennessee for oh, ten that, years. There so. it is. That that'll soften you. you up. Yeah, that'll do it. It balanced me out. Yeah, but I understand is that sometimes when she gets upset, you can hear the New York's accent come out. Oh, a really? Bit. Is that right? I guess I haven't made her upset enough. The accent, the snarkiness, it comes. <laughs> so another thing we need to realize here as we're doing this podcast is Tina is operating on three hours of sleep. Yeah. Oh. Um, because she has a huge heart. And so she's always helping people. And she was on the phone. Anyway, we won't get into that. But so if she, she oh, said... Oh, I wasn't on the phone. I, she came to my house. Oh, she came to your house. Yeah. Well, sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, and how do you say no to that? I mean, I would. I'd be like, no, nah, dude, go away. Oh, well, no. actually, no, I wouldn't. no, you wouldn't. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, <laughs> David would introduce the person to me and then go to bed. <laughs> that is a distinct possibility. <laughs> You've done that. <laughs> well, if it was a, if it was another woman, yes. If it was a guy, no, I would, I would not do that. <laughs> so you guys meet, you fall in love, you get married. Was there a time during the engagement process or the engagement time where you were like, "What am I doing?" No, not at all. Seriously, you were no. just like, "So, what made you so sure?" I don't know. I mean, I just was, I don't know whether Sometimes it was God you just or know, you just David. know. You just know. Okay. So, I mean, it was quick. I mean, we, we did a big wedding in That's months. what amazes me. Well, <laughs> you couldn't do that. It would be hard to do it now. It would be hard. people's a lot of people. It is yeah. a lot of people. And there was a snowstorm, so there would have been more. When did you get married? November, you said? November. What year? Wow. 86. 86. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> I know, just, right? It's like, just sharing my age. Doesn't seem that long, but you were like twelve, right? Was, yeah. It was one of those yeah. seven. Yeah, but. seven uh, doesn't make it better um, in some ways. So you guys now meet. Well, so I, I was going to ask you this: What was it that you attracted you to him so strongly? You knew so much for sure. This is the guy. Um, what drew you? What attracted you to him so much? His personality, just. He just he was he was really giving. Mm. He was really funny, and I loved his singing voice. Nice. <laughs> to be honest, he had a beautiful voice. And so you guys get married in November, Got married and in then November. you guys have some little Mallorys running around. Three sons. Yeah, and when mm. were they born? Eighty-seven, uh-huh. <laughs> eighty-nine, and ninety-one. Right. Nice. Cool. And you guys were going to church together. 
And where did you guys, where did you start going to church initially? Um, we actually went to his home church. He was a Christian, a teacher at a Christian school. Okay. And he was also the assistant pastor. Okay. And then um, when that school closed, that's when we moved to Tennessee, where he had gone to Bible college. And then um, he taught there. Uh, okay. So that was a job oh. change that got you to Tennessee. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I yeah. didn't I didn't know Paul. Yeah, no, not not a lot of people did. I know? didn't yeah. I didn't know him well and we'll touch touch on this in a minute, but when I met Paul, he was already feeble. Yeah. And obviously sick and there was some problems. Um yeah. so I never got to know him. I probably said hi to him a few times and he was always very nice. Um so talk to, so one of my favorite cities in New York, this is one of my favorite city <laughs> names in the whole world. Can you guess what it is? New York. No. That's not a <laughs> Davidson. Schenectady. Oh, Schenectady. Schenectady. Schenectady is even better. <laughs> I was saying it wrong, and now I like it even more. Schenectady. There's just so many. Anyway, sorry. I like I Lake George. You like what? Lake, Lake George Lake is George. beautiful. The name or just the city? The city. I don't care what Schenectady looks place. like. It's just fun to say. Oh. Well, sorry. you would like where I'm from, and you'd like what it looks like. How come? It's called the Thousand Islands. Oh, oh do they have good dressing there? Wonderful. You know, that's where it came from. Is it really? So, Tina. Yes. Why would I like upstate New York so much in Thousand Islands and the dressing? It's absolutely beautiful in the summer. Mm. There, there, the river goes and the lake at the same time. So you've oh. got you've got all sorts of water and the islands are beautiful. I bet the uh, mm. colors in the fall are amazing. Aren't yeah, they? they are. It's better in the mountains. We're flat, yeah. but um, okay. In the winter, you don't go. You just <laughs> don't go because it's just too. Because lots it's, of water it, freezes. It would be like um, going to the UP. Oh, uh, yeah, there's just way too much snow. Right. It's crazy. Hmm. So well, tell me about the difference between New York and Tennessee. Like, what was that? Was that that's a huge culture shift, isn't it? It was. Actually, I was an advertising director at a newspaper. Hmm. Um, so I had to hire an assistant that didn't talk like I did because my oh, Yankee no. accent would turn people away. So can you do the, oh, can you do that accent for us now? Well, I reckon I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the Southern accent, right? right? What was the New York accent? The New York accent. I don't, I don't even know it anymore. You I don't, lost I don't it? know what I'm doing with that mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I had, it comes uh, out after I go home. I had uh, a guy I knew, um, actually my sister's uh, ex-husband, and he was from New. He was from Brooklyn. You know, he talked like this. Yeah. Like, can you believe this? It's like butter. He she said didn't that talk once. Like that. He didn't talk like that. No, I know who that is, and he didn't talk like that. <laughs> He did, he did talk. He like likes that. to exaggerate a little. Well, maybe just, a little bit. Just anyway. So there's but, a little bit of a cultural. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Well, I'm just anxious to get to the how she ended up in Michigan part. We're getting there. I know. So you're, you have cultural whip, cultural whiplash, mm-hmm. and was it really hard to go from New York to Tennessee? It was. Yeah. Everyone, when you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. everyone would stop and tell you about three different recipes. Oh, <laughs> no. When you picked up a melon. I mean, it just was ridiculous. Wow. And then, um, and everyone, you know, wanted to know everything about you. <sighs> that must so, have sound, seemed very strange to you. It was hard for me. And difficult for an introvert. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Different, difficult. But um, I learned to love it. Love the people. I felt that when I moved to Iowa. Yeah. Complete strangers would say hi to me, and it scared me at first. Yeah. Yeah, like, why are you talking to me? Oh. What did you do? I broke the microphone. Well, no, it just fell because you were getting real close to it again. Sorry. You're leaning in again. I can't hear myself very well, so I guess I'll just turn my mic up. There you go. So how long did it take for you to turn to really love this place? Oh, a good year. That's not too far. Did Paul adapt right away? 
Paul, Paul had gone to school there, so he. Oh yeah, he right already away. knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you, how long you stayed? Ten years in Tennessee. Ten and years then, in Tennessee. Then you moved to Michigan. Yeah. Oh, and you sound so sad. Why <laughs> was did that you, it was cold? It, yeah. When did you? Why? Why? And when did you move to Michigan? Um, we moved in July two thousand two. Okay. Oh. Okay. Um, so we've been here for quite a while now. Yeah. But um, my husband's school was closing. Mm. And our church had had a big split. Oh. So, um, and I was a little tired of doing the whole advertising business thing. I was ready to have um, a break from it. What did you want to do? I didn't know, but I actually came here with a job. My brother-in-law bought a company and asked me to help run it. What was that? It's called Wolverine Hardwoods. Plug, and you're plug, there plug, now. Plug, and I'm here now. There it is. <laughs> if you need any good hardwood products, call Tina Mallory. And I like when, I don't know why, but whenever she emails, she always emails in all caps. So I just feel like she's shouting at me. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. It's I'm here kind of thing. It's not really shouting. It's because I work in the caps all the time. No, I know. I, I Yeah, I know that now. But at first I'm like, why is she always yelling at me? It's I'm used New, to that. But New York accent. There it is. Coming through, through text or through typing. So... So we get to the tougher part of the story here. Sure. Well, let me ask you this. What did you think of Michigan when you first moved here? I didn't like it. How come? Um, we moved into a neighborhood, and I was expecting people to be Like from Tennessee? Friendly. Yeah, friendly. And I did get one person that came over and invited me to their church. And when I already said I already had a church, I never saw them again. Oh, dear. Um, well, that's what God wants. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it just wasn't friendly. You know, I... I learned to give the recipes sure. at the grocery yeah. store, and then no one wanted to talk to me. <laughs> Lady, you, I have this great kitchen, chicken cacciatore recipe for you. Did you ever try that here in Michigan? Oh, to tell the to recipe. share a recipe? Yeah, That's I what did, you're and saying. they walked away from me. Oh no! Did um did did you have a southern accent at that time, or did you pick no. a little up? No. Okay. I, this is the accent. Gotcha. So you come to Michigan, and then you started coming to Solomon's Porch much later, a bit right. later. We went to Res. Oh, you went to Res. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're familiar with Res Life. What? What did you say? Did I hear boo? I think I heard of. <laughs> I think we better edit that out again. We're not going to get into that. We could. But anyway. So you went, to, you went to Res Life for a while, and then why did you leave Res? Um, actually, it happened after my husband got sick for the first time. Um, I just felt like I didn't have a family around mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. I really needed something. Yeah. And it's a real big church. It was a big church. They they came, but they came for my brother-in-law, who was part of that church more. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. And I felt weren't, alone. But weren't you a part of that yeah. church, too? I was, but he was. He had been there for a while, and he knew the pastors. He knew, okay. you know, and I was just a... He had connections. Yeah, member uh, of the congregation. So what? when Paul first got sick, tell us what happened. Um, he was, he was home. Um, he didn't have a job at the time Mm. and my son found him unresponsive in bed. Oh, wow. And he went into a coma. How old was your son at the time? (sighs) I don't remember. He was in high school. Okay. So he's a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes home and he, like Paul was just in bed, unresponsive, completely. Unresponsive. He started um, doing CPR, called 911. He knew to do CPR, though. He knew, yeah. Which, which, is this the oldest, middle, No, my youngest? middle son, okay. John. And um, they called 911. They worked on reviving him for quite some time. Oh. And um, we had thought, he'd had some seizures before that, so we had okay. thought it was just a seizure. But okay. But they, they actually never found out why he went into the coma. And um, so they rushed him to St. Mary's at the time because that's a, a good brain 
yeah. hospital, and he was in a coma for um, a little over a month. They told us he wasn't going to survive, or oh if he would, goodness. he'd be a vegetable. Wow. And, um, you know, we were making all the decisions, mm-hmm. take him off, mm. you know, things like that. But he started to show just a few signs. What signs? Um, just like some twitches or some, you know, little responses. So, okay. So there's a change um, in what was, was a happening. There change, yeah. Um, they tried to take him off the life support. You know, they'd put him back on, things like that. Um, and then he, start, he, he started to revive. And um, wow. so then he went through the whole thing with at Mary Free Bed where he mm. had to um, learn to walk and talk yeah. and, <laughs> and tell time and wow. read. You know. So when was this? 2007, 8. Okay. So there really wasn't much physical problems or a history of health problems, some seizures a few years before 2007, 2008? Um, In 2000, he had had a gastric bypass. Okay. And um, lost a lot of weight, but every every side effect that um, you could have, he he got. And that was a very different surgery 18 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's really what um, a lot he had a lot of stomach issues, a lot of colon mm. issues, and okay, but the seizure was a, a fluke thing that they never they never found out reason. Hmm. So, and okay. so, did they have any idea how long he was laying there like that before his son no. found him? No. Okay. And they, you know, they never they never found anything wrong with his heart or you know mm. or stroke or anything like that. So the reason he had to relearn things was that because he had been deprived of oxygen. Yeah, brain? anoxic brain okay. injury. Gotcha. Was he different after that? He was somewhat different after that. Um, the time, exactly a year later, he went. He had pneumonia, mm-hmm. a severe case of pneumonia, and they induced him into a coma. And oh, he didn't come out of that very well. Oh. That's when he lost a lot more of his brain cells, and then he was a lot different. How was oh. he different? Um, he couldn't, couldn't read well. Mm. Um, he was more... Um, frustrated a lot, and his sense of reasoning was no longer there. How did that impact your your relationship with him? Um, it was hard. You know, it was. I began to have to take on more responsibilities of the home, where mm-hmm. before he was really the head of the home, um, especially the spiritual head, and um, yeah. it was a lot more difficult for for me. You know, um, but. You do what you have to do. You know, there was always glimpses of all. Mm-hmm. In the last years, there weren't as many, but... Mm-hmm. Was that enough that kind of kept you going? Those glimpses of the, the man he still really was, but, yeah. you know... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so how long was he... So he, he, has the, he has the coma. He's in the coma for a month. And then about a year later, he has pneumonia. And, and goes into another coma. Another coma. How long was that one? That was throughout the whole summer um, into the fall. Um, again, he had to relearn things. Yeah. Did, um, I mean, I, I go back to that first coma a second. How, I just can't imagine the elation. Like, do you remember the moment he opened his eyes? Um, actually, my brother-in-law was with him, and we were, he was um, talking to him and trying to get him to talk, you know, trying yeah, to get him to yeah. wake up. And he said, um, he had this cup that said cow on it some kind of <laughs> okay thing. and my brother-in-law says can you say cow and paul says of course i can say cow <laughs> well, that was the first off of the coma <laughs> nice. a little bit of new york coming out yeah. right there right yeah 
Wow. And then they they called you in where you, you weren't in the room? Or no, I was home? at work. My brother-in-law and I would take turns going to work because we sure. worked together. Because so. you have to go back to life. Right. Right? So he was there and I was at work. So, so yeah. what did that phone call sound like? Oh, it was awesome. He, he actually <laughs> said a couple words to me at that oh, point. So. Did you cry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Cried like a baby. Oh, oh. Yeah. wow. What an incredible moment that yeah. is. This from the boring lady who was going to be a terrible <laughs> interview. Um, so then you got to put him back in another coma. What does that feel like? It was devastating. I, you know, at first I thought it was just going to be until he could heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when he wouldn't come out, he gained 90 pounds in water weight. Oh, they had to do, wow. um, yeah. 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 It was just terrible. So there's got to be this incredible elation and faith moment when he comes out of the first coma. Right. Right. I mean, you're super pumped. Like, wow, God's so good. But He's... God is what I kept saying. You just kept saying yeah. what? But God. You know, like they said he wasn't going to live, but God. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the second coma hits, and what happens to your faith in that time? Um, because of things I've gone through in the past, mm-hmm. my faith never wavered. Okay. I think... Um, I mean, I would, I would be worried. It's well, not yeah. that I didn't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Of but course. I, you, you cried and you prayed. and Right. But I just, I'm, I'm someone that really has a lot of faith in, mm-hmm. in what God can do. So, and because we had gone through it, mm-hmm. I knew God could bring him back. Good, bring him back. But God again. But God. And so the second time he comes out of the coma, this is a tough guy. Yeah. Right? The second time we were, we were at Solomon's Porch mm-hmm. by then and um, had a, a group of people that would come and visit and come, you know, come be with me. And mm. so it was easier for me to have, you know, I'm an introvert, but I like people around. Well, sure. So. Yeah. And then you felt like you had family now. Right. 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 Okay. And not that my Mallory family weren't great. No, no, no. They but really there's, were. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference though between, I mean, that initial family is, you know, it's got to be just so incredibly important, but there needs to be more people right. than just that. Right. right. Okay. So, you come out of that. We come out coma of that. Coma two. Super exciting, right? So, when he, were you around when he spoke the first words coming out of that? I was not. I, I was, I've been Do trying to remember. bad timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember how it... That was more gradual. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And the other one was a little bit more dramatic. Right. Okay. Right. And the second coma is like, this is old hat. We've yeah. been here before. We knew it. He's going to be fine. We knew the same doctors, everything. How are your boys handling all this at the time? My boys had a, a difficult time. They... In Tennessee, they were in a small private college or school, yeah. And then we moved to Jenison to a big school, yeah. So they were already dealing with that, and then dealing with their dad's oh, sickness. Um, they turned to other other things to comfort them, which yeah. weren't really well, yeah, well received by me. Right. But they're trying to survive, and they're trying to cope, and they're trying to figure it out. Right. And they don't understand it. Yeah. They don't understand it. They don't understand why their dad, who Served God with all his heart, mm. helped mm-hmm. everybody else, you know, um, why God would choose to yeah. allow that. Right. You know, we don't, I don't believe that, but. How I, would you respond to somebody? How would you respond to them? Did you have conversations with them? Like, why did God choose dad to go through this? Did you um, talk about it? We did talk about it as much as they would talk to yeah. me about it. Yeah. You know, young, young boys that are teenagers don't always want to verbalize to their mom how they're feeling. Anything. Yeah, about anything. <laughs> so, but we would talk about it, um, especially my middle son, who was more dramatic and, you know, wanted to talk about things. But, and I, I just would be real honest and say, I don't know why. 
I really don't know why this is mm-hmm. happening. I I can't. I don't think you can say it's God. I, 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 you know, I just can't answer you. Yeah, I don't have a good answer. Yeah, it, it's it sucks and it hurts. Yeah. So Paul comes out of the second coma, mm-hmm. and then talk a little bit about kind of how life was and kind of what happens next. Um, we knew that he wouldn't be able to work at all. Um, was he wheelchair at this he point? He was then? not in a wheelchair. Okay. Um, so, but he couldn't, he would fall easily. Like, okay. you know, his balance was off a little. Yeah. Um, was he able to drive or get around on his own? Or? I wouldn't let him drive. Probably. Um, yeah. Smart. We would, you know, because it because he had seizures after the sure. brain um, yep. things. Yeah. Um, it wasn't legal, number one, but okay. he... Um, he would forget things a lot, so I would help him not, like, he, he would say, it hasn't been six months since I, you know, it's been six months since I had a seizure. And I'd say, oh, no, it was just last week, you oh, know, boy. so that, you know, because he just, he he wouldn't be safe. Yeah. Right. So he's he's becoming frail. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, he he's not even farther removed from that guy that you knew. Right. You know he's still there, but right. now it's becoming clouded by some physical problems. So what what happens next physically for him? Um, he had several colon issues, stomach issues. He was in and out of the hospital over and over. Mm. His blood pressure would drop, so mm. he would go into like you know sixty over thirty blood pressure. Oh, wow. You know, uh, so it was a whole series of years of going back and forth to the hospital, whether it was ble- you know bleeds or mm-hmm. um, just a lot of internal mess. Right. Um, so I can't really like to tell you every no sure everything. it and was, really was no terrible. one specific event. No, I mean yeah. we were in we were in the in and out of the hospital so much they knew us all by name. Wow. Um, oh, and that's expensive. Yes, yes, I'm actually almost done paying off the medical bills. Wow, <laughs> wow, good for you. But, but that's um, impressive. Yeah, it his his um, health really deteriorated the last year before he died. And, and um, when did he die? He died in two, September 2014. So he's just deteriorating. Mm-hmm. There's the internal problems and a, and a list of other things. When did you know that it was close? Um, actually, we were traveling to Pennsylvania for his dad's 80th birthday. Mm. And um, he started to get severe pain in his abdomen. And so mm. we um, stopped overnight. And he thought he had to go to the bathroom. And we were constipation sure. or something like that. So yeah. we got a bunch of medicine and then um, finished driving the five hours to the house. And... My mother-in-law had passed away just the year before that, and Paul didn't remember oh. um, grieving for that or being mm. part of that. So he was up at her grave is on the property, and and he was just sobbing and sobbing, mm. and all of a sudden he started screaming out in pain. And oh, um, so oh. we took him to the local hospital, which is in a podunk, <laughs> podunk yeah. town yeah. in Pennsylvania in the mountains. and Kind of um, like a little clinic kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like the intensive care room had a toilet in a cupboard oh, <laughs> oh wow I mean, okay. okay very podunk yeah yeah and um the surgeon Ooh. operated on a bowel blockage oh boy and he did a couple things that were not oh, good boy. for him um he because he had had that gastric bypass there they call a flap there's a piece that your stomach's mm-hmm. still there okay and he told me that he needed to take it out because it wasn't doing anything. But oh. what happened was, um, Paul, so they did that, they did the surgery and then, um, they sent him home then like two days later mm. and without antibiotic or oh. anything. Um, and 
So then that night he was still in pain. Yeah. So I took him back to the hospital yeah. and he, they said he had another bowel blockage, but they couldn't operate it and not operate. So I called the surgeon from here in Grand Rapids and yeah. said, this is what's happening. He said, get him here. So we drove all night. Mm. And uh, by the time mm. he got there, gang gangrene had set oh, in. No. Sure. And um, the, what the surgeon didn't do is close up well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, so uh, I know what's happened is people told you you should have sued them. Yeah. And how did you respond to that when people um, said that? I actually, um, I actually did talk to a lawyer. Yeah, um, I would imagine. Yeah, I what I wasn't going to do was pay yeah. any, right. anything. Right. Yeah. I, I I didn't care about getting money, but I was not going to pay for that surgeon. Right. No. No. And of I course. Good, really. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Well, that seems fair. Yeah. yeah. But I could I. I couldn't have sued anyway. Paul had so many medical oh, problems right. that they, they could sorting have said, that all out. Yeah. 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 And that's a whole nother. Yeah. And I, I, it's not me. It's yeah. just not me uh, anyway to, to yeah. do that. But now you shouldn't have to pay for the surgery right. that, that hurt him. Basically more. hurt him. Yeah. So that was July 5th that I got him into Grand Rapids and they um, did emergency surgery on him mm. and, um, you know, fixed what they could. And, I think he had, that was in July, by September, they thought he might might be okay, to, enough to go to a nursing home for or an acute care unit. He yeah. had eight surgeries in between that time. Oh. Wow. And then, um, so we got him to Great Lakes um, Specialty Hospital, and he ended up having another bowel blockage. The wow. hospital that he was in wouldn't take him back because they said there, yeah, there was no, no use for it. So... Um, mm. The hospital, St. Mary's Hospital, tried the surgery again, and and they told him, you know, the risk, and he he wanted the surgery. But then, um, in in the intensive care unit after the surgery, he um, started having a whiteout in his lungs. Mm -hmm. He started, you know, started getting pneumonia. Yeah. And um, the doctor said, "We're going to have to put you back on." You know, they had taken him off the life support, and we're going to yeah. have to put you back on. And he said, "No." Mm -hmm. I, what did you say? I said, "Okay." You know, it's. And you knew what that meant. Yeah, I knew what it meant, and he knew what it meant. Yeah, and uh, how long did um, he last? It was maybe just a few hours, maybe five, five, five or six hours. And you were there. I was there. Were the boys there? My, we we were all there for a while, and him and his mm -hmm. brother too, um, and then my sons went home, except for my youngest son. Mm -hmm. um, they had to go home, to, you know, to their families and you know yeah. prepare that and. Yeah. Um, they were going to come back, but they didn't make it back in time. So, tough question. Mm -hmm. What was it like to say goodbye? Um, at the, let me tell you a little story before that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the surgeon that operated on him um, that last time came up and was very angry with me um, because he had he was told that we weren't going to go back on life support and oh, okay, and he said that. Um, your husband, you know, has brain damage, so it's up to you to put him back right. on. Right, he doesn't really understand. He doesn't understand what's okay. going on, and mm. um, I'm not very bold when it comes to medical people. I they're intimidating. Yeah, I tend to back away and do whatever they say, but um, something inside me said, "You don't, you do not understand. You don't know what this man has been through. You don't know about the eight surgeries had, or the past two comas, or anything else he's gone mm -hmm. through. Right. And if he says he's done." He is done, and mm -hmm. I'm going to support him for whatever, and and whatever he wants, and I'm going to do it. And um, so, because I was bold with that, mm -hmm. I was able to um, 
to support that. Right. Um, right. At the end, when he was, when we knew the end was, we were playing music. We had worship, you know, because that was his heart to have worship right. music. Mm-hmm. And um, right. the, the song I can only imagine came on. <laughs> <laughs> hate oh that, wow! Hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was, um, he was, he was just laying there, and um, the song, the part where it says, um, "Will you, will I dance for you, Jesus?" <laughs> Um, I said, mm. don't dance, Paul. You can't dance. <laughs> you just can't dance. And he lifted up his eyebrow. And, you know, I saw Aww. just a little bit. And then um, at the last chord, he died. Oh, my gosh. So. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, wow, you couldn't, if you did that in a movie, you'd be like, that's cheesy. <laughs> it but that's what happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow, did you, I mean, again, I don't mean to be so, this is really intrusive, but, um, like, can you share, like, what are some of the things you said to him before he passed? What do you say in that moment? Um, I, you know, I told him I loved him. I told him that I was thankful for the time that we'd had together. Mm. I told him that um, we would be okay, that his boys would be okay, because um, one of my sons was dealing with a drug, drug problem. Yeah. Um, I, and actually I think that's why he lasted so long is because he wanted to see my youngest son. Right. Um, I just told him, thank you. Mm. You know, we had, we had a really good marriage. We were really good friends mm. and, and even, even in the times of hard, we, we just really had a good marriage and I was thankful for it. What did he say to you? He couldn't. Okay. So he was not communicative, yeah. but you could tell with a raised eyebrow, he's hearing you. Yeah. <laughs> what a gift that is in a way. Yeah. So now, after 45 minutes of pre you know, prologue. No, that's my fault. I don't apologize. I wanted that because it sets the stage, right? It's great to go in there and go, okay, let's talk about grief. We have to contextualize that. And now people who are listening are into the story. And they care about Tina and they care about Paul. And they know that Carol was going to cry at some point. It's okay. <laughs> Um, and it's really hot in here. It is. <laughs> so, um, do you want to get a drink of water a second? Is it okay? Yeah, absolutely. Thank Just you. take a drink a second. You know, it's, 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 I hate to do this. <laughs> <laughs> there's a magazine in here and Tina's showing me the back. There is a advertisement for bladder leak protection and she's Carol Merrilling it for me. That's, that's brilliant. And you know, one thing I did notice is a little lighter thing here is I did wonder now when, if you're going to dance before Jesus, I mean, what's your go-to move? You know what I'm saying? Are you doing the sprinkler? Are you doing the broken robot? You know, swim. break dance. <laughs> Tina's doing the swim. Is it called the swim? I, no. What is it called? I don't know. I don't know. Do I look like a man who can I wasn't dance? a dancer. Nor am I. Me neither. Okay, so now we're going to transition into you are now plunged into this world of in, of grief. Right. I mean, it, it probably, we've all had, I'm sure you've had something. How much did you have to grieve before Paul died? Um, actually, my pastors would tell me all the time to start grieving. 
But yeah. I don't know how can you do how that? do you do that? Yeah. He's still there. Right. I'm still taking care of him. Start grieving I'm while working, he's alive. Well, grieving who he was. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 He that was makes a different sense. man twenty you know, in sure. that first twenty years than he was the last how five. How successful were you in starting to grieve when he was around? I wasn't successful at all. Did I didn't it make have sense? time. It didn't make sense and I didn't have time. Yeah. Okay. I worked fifty hours. I was taking care of my sons. I was coming home and taking care of my husband. Ooh. He's just telling us how much, how long we're going. That's okay. all. He's just giving me time. Okay. We're fine. Okay. Uh, we can go another hour and a half, probably. Just <laughs> kidding. Lord. Just kidding, Chad. No. Um, I could, but anyway. So, when did the grief really hit you? When did you realize, oh. Um. I think imme- I, I mean, immediately it it hit me that he was no longer there. Yeah. Um. I think it. It was a whirlwind for like the first yeah, week or so. so. We had to plan to two first. funerals. We had yeah. to do one in Michigan and one in oh, Pennsylvania. Um, wow. So I think probably when I got home mm-hmm. by myself, yeah. you know, and after the commotion, the activity's done. Right. And you walk into that house. And I was there. And there you are. And he wasn't there and all his, you know, all the paraphernalia. Oh, yeah. I had to take care of all that yeah. and get mm. rid of that. So. You, uh, how do you react to this feeling of loss? Um, I don't know. I kept worrying that I wasn't doing it well. Mm. Um, you know, I kept saying, you know, is this normal? Um, because no one, like my mom had lost her husband, but we weren't super great, super close. So I couldn't yeah. really ask her. And I really didn't know a lot of people who had lost their husband. I knew mm-hmm. people who had lost their dads and it's moms. It's very different. And, but it, yeah, it, it's, it was a lot different. Um, and I didn't know how to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that did, people say weird things. They say hard things. They mm-hmm. say not easy things. So let's talk about that a second. Okay. Let's talk about some of the things. And you've actually written these down. I have. So... One of the reasons, again, we're having this conversation is for people who, uh, we talked about this before we actually started recording, is someone listening out there is grieving right now. Someone out there knows someone who's grieving and they're trying to be there for them. And there's someone out there who might be a little bit clueless as to how to deal with someone who's, we're all going to grieve at some point. Right. Right. It is part of the human experience. So here are some things that are not helpful. Yeah. Um. People would say he would want you to, you know, and then they would they would fill it in. He would want you to live. He would want you to, you know, go on. He would want you to go roller skate. I mean, you know, just just crazy. (laughs) They're trying to help, and they didn't because Paul had been sick for so many years. They really didn't know him. Okay. So I didn't like that. Okay. Um, it was his time. (laughs) Um. It's been, it, after it had been a year, it's been a year, should you, so you should be over it by now. Somebody Someone, actually said that to you? Oh, yeah. Did oh, my sh- goodness. Did you slap them? Um, I didn't because they were, is actually a rather close friend. Oh, dear. Um, oh. He's in a better place. Yeah, mm. that's, a, that's a classic. Um, time will heal. Okay. Um, he lived such a full life um, in the time he was given. Um, yep. Which that really was not the case for no. the last no, few years. Sick. <laughs> sick for a long um, time. It's time for you to move on. Oh. Um, and mm. one of the big ones was, I know someone who lost their husband and went through years they were married happily. Okay. Um, 
that's what they said to me. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's been three years, so apparently I should be happily married by now. Apparently. Um, don't you think it's time to get over this? Wow. Um, you must be devastated. Um, if I lost my husband, I'd kill myself. Oh. Um, <gasps> at least you had a chance to say goodbye. Um, God wanted him back. It's just a part of life. His work here was done. Um, when you're ready, I have a great guy for you. Oh, oh no. Oh, how um, soon after was that? Um, that was about six months. Oh. That might be the, one of the tackiest things I've heard in my life. Yeah. Because wow. you got to at least wait at least seven well, months. Everyone knows that. Well, I, I've heard 7.5, but. 7.5 months. Yeah. So, what's the opposite? What are things that people could say or did say that were helpful? Um, I actually wrote this down. I, I know, I'm not sure that people really said these, but this was, is what I think would mm. be helpful. Absolutely. Um, I think people can just say, hang in there mm-hmm. or you're, tell me I'm being brave. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not alone. Although this journey is deep and lonely, you're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you're loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you will always feel this way, you know, that it's not, it's not something out of the ordinary you're going to feel. You will or you, you won't? You will. You will always feel some sense some of, sense of grief, oh, okay. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, we honor the pain and the memory and mm-hmm. life-altering experience that you're having. Okay. Um, we're here to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not mind readers, so you need to communicate <laughs> if you need something. Which <laughs> Those is, are the good friends, Which right? is something yeah. that some, I think my pastor said to me. Uh-huh. Um, nobody is judging you mm-hmm. because I felt very judged. Um, and just to know that we're heartbroken for you and mm-hmm. no matter what, we'll walk beside you. And then, you know, maybe... The lasagna will keep beautifully in the freezer <laughs> because nice. you got a lot of food. <laughs> so is it helpful or does that bring more pain for people to talk of their memories of him? Um, I was craving someone to talk about memories Aww. of Paul, mostly because the people that I was presently with didn't, know didn't have a lot of memories. Yeah. And even the people that knew him... Um, he, because he had some friends in mm-hmm. the church and around, they didn't know my Paul. Yeah, they only knew mm. the sick, the post coma. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like me, I knew frail Paul. I'm right. like, oh wow. Yeah. I mean, you see a guy like that, and you're like, well, obviously there's something going on. Oh, poor, you know, poor guy. Yeah, you know, and you, you didn't feel, know that. Like, no. I remember in his funeral, um, we did a video, um, you know, sh- sh- shots of um, pictures, and it was his voice singing, and mm. no one knew it no, was we didn't his even voice. Know. You know, and he he sang like he sang for people's weddings. He sang wow. all the time. Yeah. But no one knew because after his second coma, he lost his his singing yeah. voice. So, uh, I want to go back to the mm-hmm. things that you wrote down that people said that weren't helpful. Yeah. And I have to ask, why did you write that down? Um, because I have always felt like I there's a reason or there's something I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. with this grief, mm-hmm. and if. If I can help someone else go through it or know not what to say, I want I want to use this for something because it better be used for something. Yeah. If, you know, it's rather than just you right. feeling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny. Carol and I were talking about this on the way here. Um, and I, I think, again, this is not something we talk about well. We don't talk about much and we don't we're scared of it. We don't know what to do with it because we don't want to feel pain. And we in this in our society pretty much any pain you feel, you can take something to numb it out. Right. You can make it go away. And we don't want to grieve. None of us do, of course. And it was a good step to identify the five stages of grief. 
But as Americans, we have to, we, we turned it into a formula. This is how you should grieve. Are you grieving right? Are you grieving well? I mean, well, you can just go to the five steps. Oh, I'm supposed to be in this stage. How, comment on that if you would. Um, I don't believe in the five stages. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I kind of brought it up. I think it was a helpful step forward for a lot of people. Um, from what I read about, those stages were originally for people who were um, in chemotherapy mm. <laughs> and not even, and how, how they reacted, and not even for people who were dealing with grief. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't believe in them. I don't think, I don't think it's cookie cutter. Yeah. And I don't, I don't believe that just because I'm, I'm feeling some way that another widow will feel that same way or react that same way. I think it has more to do yeah. with your story, your personality. your personality. Yeah, everyone reflects it differently. Yeah, yeah. I'm not one that broadcasts how I feel, yeah. but there are people that really are more needy and need need that around. Is that okay? I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's what they need. It's Can not you, what I need. How would you say, How do you? what would be a way that you could grieve incorrectly? Um, either completely shutting down and not talking to anyone or expecting other people to completely take care of you and mm. not, not, um, expressing what, how you feel, mm-hmm. you know, Carol, um, you had a question. Go ahead. I did. Um, I've heard people say that there's like a second another grieving to go through once you realize that you're healing and you've actually gone through a period of time where you haven't thought about the person or haven't missed them. And then there is this onset of sort of a a guilt for, for not grieving. And then it starts another process. Did you feel that? I did do that. I, um, the first year was, was hard. It was all the first, you know, yeah, you, you go yeah, through yeah. that alone and you do mm-hmm. that. The first birthday, the first birthday, the first, birthday, yeah. the first anniversary, mm. that yeah, kind those of thing. suck. They, they sucked. Oh, and it man. was terrible. Oh, the first and Christmas. I hated it. The first the Christmas worst. was the worst. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we had always gone to Pennsylvania with the whole family together. It's a big thing, right? Yeah, it's a huge big thing. Production. And then I was going by myself oh, with, yeah. you know, oh, it just was not. And it's a long drive. It's a long drive. Yeah. But then to not go would be worse. Right. And, yeah. And my father is <laughs> yeah. still right. alive and my husband is buried on the property. So, oh. you know, you need to go there. Yeah. Um, so so the first year is hard. The second year was worse Oh, yeah, really? Interesting. Um, mostly because I was dealing with the guilt. I mm-hmm. started to think, what what if I had just given him one more chance? Sure. Why oh, why sure. did I yeah. why did I not I shouldn't have agreed. do it? I shouldn't have agreed. Yeah. You know, so I was rethinking Second all guessing. that. The doctor was right. The do- yeah, the doctor maybe he could have been saved, you know, even yeah. though we knew that he would never have come home yeah. from that. Yeah. You know, but mm. you know, so I had to work through all that guilt sure. and um and and yeah, I wasn't I think grief is like a pendulum. Mm. I mean, that's how I describe it. Some people describe it as waves, but I think the pendulum is, you know, at first it swings really hard and strong, and mm-hmm. then eventually it's, you know, it kind of calms down a little mm-hmm. until you until you tap it again, and then it, you know, <laughs> something yep. bumps it, right? Right, and then oh. it's, you know, then it hits, and I yeah. think um, I, that's how I, that's just how I describe it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's that makes sense. You know. So, what are some of the things that bump your pendulum? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That Actually, one of the friends right. sound a little strange. What was a pendulum bumper for you? <laughs> the grocery store. Really? Yeah. Really? Um, I the, hate the grocery store. Well, I I like to cook. I'm. You're I, a great cook. I I do a lot of cooking, and my husband always appreciated the cooking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, when I went to the grocery store, and I was in the meat department, and 
I saw something that he would, you know, I was thinking about a recipe that he would have wanted me to make. Mm -hmm. And I just burst into tears. And this, <laughs> this little old lady came up to me, Aww. are you okay, honey? And I was like, you know, and I don't, yeah. I didn't know what to say because I was sobbing too yeah. hard to talk to her. And, you know, finally, I, you know, I said something to her and she said, you know, I lost my husband 20 years ago and it's never going to be, you're always going to miss him, but it will get easier. Aww. You know, was that a good thing to say? It, it was, that I, you seems know, I like think a it good was thing a good, it was a good thing for me at the <laughs> at time. time. Yeah. 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 I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not sure, sure if it's the perfect thing. I, I mean, I'm no expert. Well, I was just wondering how you felt about it. <laughs> it it you felt know. good at the time. Yeah, you know? good, good. Um, Carol, I want you to, uh, Carol is, uh, having me, has asked me to read a book called The Severe Mercy. And um, could you talk a little bit about how the author of that book grieved his wife? Yeah, um, his name is Sheldon Vanaken, and um, they, he and his wife weren't married very long. And the name of the book, A Severe Mercy, is because... He came to see her death as God's severe mercy by taking her away from him before their love had a chance to to wither. Hmm. Like it was still it was still strong. It was still in the early passionate years. But after she died, he didn't like those little pendulum mumpers. <laughs> yeah. He decided he just wanted to get it all over with at once and he just just immersed himself in the in grief and listened to all their favorite songs and reread all their favorite books and went to all the places they went and like tried to tried to find all those triggers and get it over with to accelerate the process almost. Yeah. What do you think of that? It's um, not saying it's right or wrong again. It's something he chose to do. Right. I don't know that I could have done that. I think I um, needed to do it a little more gradually, Yeah. but I did try to do somewhat of that because I felt like um, Paul deserved me to, to, yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. I, I would imagine that if it were me, I would probably, like, if I was in a certain mood, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm going to look at some pictures now and, yeah. like, just at certain times go through things. Yeah, like, it took me a year to look at the sympathy cards. Mm. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. um, I just, just put them aside sure. and didn't look yeah. at them. But um, pictures were a little more easy for me because I, yeah. I had the memories behind that right. Right. Um, to, to rejoice over. I, I was in the unique position where I I had a different husband um, in spirit. Like he, right. you know, for the first twenty years he was one person, and for the yeah. last five he really was Very someone different. different or six, seven years, yeah. whatever different. Um, so, so I had to grieve twice. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and I had to learn. Um, while he was sick, I didn't take care of myself. Mm. I, you know, I. I was focused completely on him. So right. I really only, I, I slept a couple hours a night. Oh. I, you know, I just went on autopilot. And yeah. so. Um, You're trying to survive. Tried to, yeah, I was all yeah. in survival mode. And yeah. it's just been the last couple of years that I've realized the way to honor his life is to, um, to think about me, <laughs> you know, so it's. Been, Absolutely. So let me ask you this, how it's, it's, you're still grieving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How well do you think you've grieved these last three and a half years? Um, I think I've done well. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's a rating system. No, there's not. There's not, of course. But, but I mean, um, just kind of a feel like. That, yeah, you know. I think um, I'm always going to miss him. Oh, oh, yeah. He's mm -hmm. always going to be a part of me. And I, I personally don't think that I will remarry. Mm -hmm. um, I, just, I just don't, you know. Yeah, no, it's um, fine. 
but um, I think I've gotten, I think I've done the work. I think I've um, said goodbye mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And I, I think I'm 80% through. <laughs> Are you still saying some goodbyes then? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm this summer, we, but the boys and I planned to, Paul was a collector. He collected depression glass and things like that. Oh, sure. So, um, we're going to go through that this summer. And, okay. So it's know, another so, thing. You know, another thing that, you know, may bring some emotion up, but yeah. 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 Go ahead. You can ask that question, Carol. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk to the Tina right after he passed, like talk to you before you went through this grieving process. Is there any advice you would give her? Is there um, anything you would say to her? I would say take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Spend time with your family a little more. Mm. Don't, don't don't isolate as much. Don't isolate as much. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Um, but I, pretty much, I would just say you're, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to make it through. Mm-hmm. And so, what a great thing to say to somebody who's mm-hmm. in the midst of grief, right? Yeah, yeah. Potentially, yeah. but you They're have normal. to know them. There's yeah. not a cookie cutter that's going to work the same for everybody. Right. Right. I mean. One of the things I felt like is that um, I I went into the marriage as a whole person. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were two separate people, and then um, I really believe that we really did meld as one. We became one, and so when he died, I I wasn't that separate person again because I was a right. whole different person than I right. was when we were you know yeah. when we were single. And you lost so, part of yourself. So I felt like I was half. Yeah. Wow. And um, I had to discover who I was again. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think I did the most work was just trying to remember what, not even remember, develop what I liked, Mm -hmm. what I, Mm -hmm. who I was and who I was going to be. And, you know, the next 25 years, I feel really crucial in my life. What, what am I going to do with my life in 25 years? How am I going to serve God? How am I going to serve my family? Who, who do I want to be and what do I want to do with it? Absolutely. Like, travel a little bit. Tra- yeah. Traveling. <laughs> so I have, I have it's two more. It's been great to follow that on yeah. Facebook, see your pictures. I love it. I have two more questions for you. Okay. And then uh, we're getting close to needing to wrap up here because okay. we're hitting that time limit. Um, number, my first question is, how did grief change you? What has grief done to change who you are? Uh, well, actually, I wrote that. <laughs> there you go. Is that okay? Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So I... Although this might sound strange, there is a part of me that knows I have not, I have not, would not have learned to be the person I am today without the loss I suffered. Mm. I no longer see it as a bad thing. I see it as something very difficult that taught me a lot about life. I know now how precious life is. I have become a better mom to my sons, a grandmother to my grandkids, aunt and great aunt to my nieces and nephew, because I see their lives as gifts that I may not have tomorrow either because they won't be here or I won't be here. I put a premium on experiences and relationships in the here and now. I don't put things off like I used to. And when someone is hurting, I stop and take the time to encourage and support and help them all I can. Yes, you do. You've done that for me. That's what I've learned. Yeah. And it shows. And we know you. We know that's real. And we thank you for, you pour yourself out so much in so many ways. And we thank you for that. Carol's got a quote that she had written down. So you want to read that? Yeah, I like this. Um, It says, life asked death. Why do people love me but hate you? And death responded, because you are a beautiful lie and I am a painful truth. Wow. Yeah. What do you think think of that? Um, It's, 
it's, uh, I'll just talk for a minute. <laughs> um, it's something that really helped my son, one of my sons, um, as he dealt with the loss of his grandparents, um, because there were things that he wanted to tell them, but felt he couldn't and wanted me to tell them. And I knew I shouldn't. And, um, I told him, you know, death is going to bring truth. It will bring truth. And I feel like it brings truth both to the person that dies because they see reality and to the, to those of us that are left behind, we learn what our priorities really are. Like right. what is really real? Like life, mm. life does lie to us a lot. It, it distracts us and, and, um, keeps us too busy sometimes. But I think death brings about this realization of, wait a minute, that's not what I want my life to be like. Yeah. That's yeah. what, it's not what I want my life to be about. Don't waste mm-hmm. things. Yeah. There's a yeah. finality here. Yeah. I think that I've always wanted to be a giver. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the big truths I learned was that Paul would always say that I was, um, I belonged and I was worthy. And, you know, he was always um, encouraging me that I was worth, you know, I had worth. Yeah. And um, I think in his death, I saw that truth. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you, so we need to wrap it, is, is interesting to me because, you know, I've, as we go through this, this is a very emotional and Carol's crying. And, and I'm not. You don't cry. <laughs> but that last thing she said hits you. I saw you wince and I almost saw tears and it looks like you put them away. And I'm just kind of curious as and it's okay. It's, I'm not. That's okay. I'm just curious. Why I put tears away? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's um, a learned. I think it's a learned habit that probably I'll think about everything we talked about and go home and cry mm. or in my car. Aww. But um. Thanks for being on the podcast. Now go home and cry. <laughs> I, it, I, because, because of some history I have, yeah. okay. I've learned to be strong. Be strong. And it's it's not that I don't share my my feelings. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I'm not saying that at all. I just, it was curious to me. You know, you get used to telling a story. So we're going to finish with this, Tina. If you have anything to say, um, someone's grieving that's listening to this right now. And they... Maybe you've never even listened to this podcast before. Somehow they found it. They're listening to this. They got drawn in. And they're in the midst of a tough situation right now. Maybe it's a matter of weeks. Maybe it's a matter of months. What, can you say something to that person that might help? Um, I would first say you're not alone. Mm-hmm. That we've there are people that have gone through it. And that try to find someone who has gone through it and talk to them. I think that was the, the key for me. I found someone that had lost her husband and they had a, a similar relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, so grab onto that. Grab onto God. Trust him. Know that he's not, he didn't take him away because you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And he didn't take him away because he wanted him back. Um, and, and live the memories. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, You're Tina. Welcome. Yeah, that was beautiful. I appreciate it. Um, we're just going to go ahead and wrap with that. Um, appreciate all of you for listening and tuning in. I, sometimes I know these things get a little bit heavy, uh, but these are things that we feel like we need to talk about. If you have any questions or you have feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. We need to hear it. We have. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud. 
We have an email address, and that is an open letter to you. That's the number two, the letter U at gmail.com. So we'd love to hear from you. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks.